Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. What is this, amateur hour? Yeah, I ain't no Superman businessman like you. You know, I'm just a amateur, I suppose. Amateur hour is what's happening. <laughs> amateur hour is what's Ain't no podcast can compete with AHPKC. Don't you know the amateurs are always bringing heat? Ain't no podcast can compete with AHPKC. Did you really think we'd quit before 2019? His darkness makes great nicknames and clever games And Ryan runs things and goes by three names We waken up out our slumber because of Mahomes Spagnolo. it's showtime at Arrowhead minus the heartbreaks What about that dude in the cheetah print? Andy, reads the best, he owns the AFC West Eating burgers in a Bahama, football fun and friendship and watch Kins, we're amateurs and Chiefs fans But please do not mistake us with professional shows Because ain't no podcast can compete with AHPKC, AHPKC don't you know these amateurs are always bringing heat? Ain't no podcast can compete with AHPKC. Did you really think we quit before 2019? Yeah, that's right. That is right, folks. It's Christmas break. Welcome into Amateur Hour. I am Ryan Scott Hall, and joining me today is a man that drinks a whole lot of tea and always brings the sizzle. <laughs> His darkness. What's up? See my dog give you the uh, the side face there on the, on the His darkness. <laughs> on, on the joke? Yeah, no, I did not. That would, you know, been, that would have been a lot more applicable a couple years ago when I did drink tea all the time. I don't, I don't touch tea now. You just poured something into your cup. Is that coffee? I'm a coffee man. Oh, I'm a coffee uh, man. That. Well, come on. We, dude, we hung out with the Colombian mob, and they showed us the finest coffees of the world. Of course I'm going to switch to coffee. The Colombian I didn't really have a choice, really. I was actually, like, I was thinking of trying to go with some sort of Pro Bowl joke, but it never materialized. Man. We probably got snubbed. I wasn't, I wasn't online. I missed the whole Pro Bowl outrage cycle. The whole cycle of it. Well, I, I feel mean, I feel cheapened. I, I feel like the season didn't mean anything now. We're, if we don't get mad about the Pro Bowl, what are we doing? Well, it's weird because it's like, I kind of, I'm stuck in between, like, is Amateur Hour the, you know, grizzled veteran that still gets the Pro Bowl nod? Based on his past accomplishments, <laughs> yeah. or or are we just getting snubbed year after year like Mitch Schwartz? No, I think we're like the the sixth alternate. We're like when Jake Locker goes to the uh, the Pro Bowl. Cause, there you go. Because Vince Young turned it down. <laughs> <laughs> All right, any those are both Titans quarterbacks, but I don't know how they'd make it yeah. the same year. It was a weird year. That's any, how that's how the Pro Bowl rolls. Chiefs podcasts out there are not gonna make it to the Pro Bowl this year. <laughs> you know who to call. Yeah. Um, you know, speaking of Terrell Suggs, might be better known for his work on Ballers more recently than his play, but the guy can still get it done. Are you up to date on Ballers? Yeah, I've watched it all. I've seen every episode. Is the, was the Chiefs an ongoing storyline? So, yeah, so Because it kind of set up like that. I am not up to date. I watched the first couple seasons. I lost interest in it. I mean, 
he buys the Chiefs, he being The Rock. Mm. He buys them. Suck it, Clark. And then, like, kind of the end of the show... Did they mention Tyreek Hill in the show, or was that... No. People... Okay. Because no. I saw that, and I... And I it was weird. I thought it was like part of the show and it was kind of like mirroring reality because Tyreek was going through all the, the shit in the summer. I was like, whoa. They did not touch that. Okay. They, it's weird. So they like, they signed a guy who had had some off-field issues and that guy got shot and died. Whoa. And. Spoiler. And then the other thing, like kind of how the show ends the last season is about The Rock fighting against the rest of the owners to give lifetime health care um, in order to try to honor veterans and, like, like overhaul the NFL's health care system. Yeah. And he signs Mahomes to a contract that includes lifetime health care. Actual so, Mahomes? I mean, like you, don't, Mahomes? you don't see him. But, yeah, they're talking about Patrick Mahomes. Oh, awesome. Yeah. That's cool. So, I mean, it was, it was all right. It was cool. all right. Um, actually, you but know But no what? Chiefs cameos or anything? Uh, no. No. I mean, they were at Arrowhead, but it didn't even really look like it. Gotcha. All right. Um, before before we talk about Terrell Suggs, real quick, um, the Chiefs played the Patriots since we talked last, and I have a couple thoughts on the Patriots game that I just like, I got to get them out. I got to get them out. Okay. Um, the Chiefs are better, period. They are the better football team than the New England Patriots right now. But the Pats are also worse than the team that they were last year. Um, when we met in the AFC Championship... You're saying the Patriots... The 2019 Patriots are worse than the 2018 Patriots. Yes. Okay. And the 2019 Chiefs are better than the 2018 Chiefs. Okay. I think both teams have moved in opposite directions, and the game was super close last year. I mean, a penalty away, right? Well, <clears throat> this is the thing that I really want to point out about the way that the game played out in Foxborough. I know that it's December and not January... And all the different things that we associate with how difficult the Patriots are to beat. You saw all of the ridiculous records that the Chiefs ended up snapping, so to speak, by you know being the first team to beat Brady and Edelman in the starting lineup at Foxborough. And Mahomes is the youngest quarterback to ever win inside that stadium. And all these different things. December, home winning streak. Of, all, you know, yeah. whatever. Well, think about how the Patriots beat the Chiefs in the AFC Championship. Like, they had 36 first downs. They had the ball for 44 minutes. They went 13 of 19 on third down. The, 29, the 2019 Patriots can't do that. They are literally not capable of playing football that way. They've shown that throughout the entire season, regardless of whether they're playing a quality opponent or not. Their offense has not been anywhere near that sort of efficient the way that they were in the playoff game. And I don't think that they have some magical thing you know, between Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, that they can just flip that switch with whether, whatever it is, the offensive line or the weapons or the combination of all the things around Brady, they're not that team anymore. And I just think that the Chiefs are better. And I genuinely believe, no matter how this game on Saturday shakes out between New England and Buffalo, if the Chiefs have to go to New England, I feel completely confident that they can go into New England and win. If the Chiefs play the Patriots at Arrowhead, I feel completely confident that they can take care of business and beat that team. I'm not scared of the big boogeyman New England Patriots anymore. Uh, I would tend to agree. I guess my biggest counter would be all of that said, and yet that game still came down to getting a stop at four, on fourth and goal at the three-yard line. After sure. a couple of bad calls went our way, and we, we can 
argue all day about calls in that game because we were. I was pissed off the entire first half about the pass interference calls and all the blindside block and all that bullshit. We don't really got to get into that, but um, they, they were still right there, which is the scary thing because they couldn't move the ball, and yet they were still able to muster those points. They were still able to keep the game close. Um, that would be the concerning thing is that they are just uh, Belichick's ability to just uh, get his team to play at their absolute peak. I guess is is the scary part, and and I completely understand like that position. To me, though, they clearly had to manufacture all of the points. Like nothing came easy for New England. Nothing really. Totally. Nothing really came easy for the Chiefs either. But to me, when on like the fifth play of the game, Mahomes hits his hand or lands on it or whatever, and he's constantly grabbing at it, he's clearly uncomfortable, and he plays the rest of the night that way. No, well, that was Denver, wasn't it? No. Was that New England? Yeah. It okay. was the New England game, and he hurt his hand, and so the offense oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. is You're right. You're right. really inefficient the whole night. Andy mm-hmm. Reid talks about how the whole second half, they basically went run heavy and short to intermediate throws because they didn't want to test New England down the field with the way that Mahomes' hand was, was hurting. I get you. I mean, he was in doubt you know, three or four days later as to whether or not he was going to be able to go. He couldn't grip a fucking football leading up to the, the Broncos game that he ends up looking magical in the snow. Yeah. And, and I also, I mean, things went against us, like the Kelsey fumble. And I think, I mean, Chiefs, once they are up pretty big and seeing what New England's offense was doing was just like, I don't think they can score enough to keep up with us. And we exactly. were right. They were right. I mean, it was, it was right. The only way they're really winning that game is if they got, you know, a defensive score or a big turnover like that or more turnovers than they got. Um, so, yeah, it's... But still, I mean, I, I think people are looking at it just like it's an absolute slam dunk that we beat them, and I agree, and I'm definitely going to feel like that come come game time and all of that, but it's still going to be, you know, in Vegas, a... Are we, are we even going to be favored? It's going to be close to a pick I would think. I would think yeah, maybe we'll be favored by, like, a point and a half or something like that, so... Mm-hmm. Um, we should be confident. I feel confident. I'm not afraid to go in there. Uh, we've now done it, you know, multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, i got to be honest, man. I would actually be, like, the terror would, would start to set in if the Chiefs were the betting favorite in a playoff game at Foxborough. I would think they'd have to be favorite. I, I mean, think they have to be. I think that they probably would, too. Now, if they're the road team, clearly they're the lower seed. To me, it's just like... Man, I don't know that I want to be favored going to that. Like, then the Patriots, like, really have the fuel that they need. Like, when's the last oh, yeah. time well, they weren't favored at home? Like, ever. That's, I, I mean, mean that's, that's the thing. If this were the Patriots of old, and maybe it is still the Patriots of old, because we were saying all pretty much all these same things last year. They're not the Patriots of old. These are the old Patriots. The old of Patriots. <laughs> um, so, yeah, all these things that, like, this would all be terrifying me if it was the Patriots of old, because, like, we beat them. They were all pissed off about the calls and all this shit. Like, we'll see them again and all this stuff. And it's just like, if it was the Patriots of old, I'd be like, ah, oh, fuck. Like, I don't. And there is still part of me that's like that because we went through this last year. We, at this time last year, we were sitting here saying the Patriots are not a good football team. We were saying that. We were yeah. saying that out loud on this podcast. We were not alone in saying that whatsoever. Uh, there's There's been a bit of revisionist history that they were just still the Patriots throughout the whole time. No. Everybody had written them off in December last year. Everybody. And then they, they figured it out. Now, I know those pieces aren't really there to figure it out this time. I get it. I get it. The fear is still there. And it's mostly just a Bill Belichick thing. 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, I... I it's... And it would have to be... The way they would have to win would have to be like the first half of the playoff game last year. It would have to be with their defense, and they'd have to find figure out a way to completely stifle the Chiefs' offense. Because they're, they're not scoring 24 points. Yeah, Like, that's pretty much the, the upper limit of that. They'd have to keep it, you know, 20-17 to 17 and just have their defense be that dominant in the game and have Belichick come up with a scheme that, that took it to Mahomes, much like it did in the first half of the AFC Championship last year. I know that, like, I mean, Bill Belichick is probably the best football coach ever at any level, period. Yeah. And so, like, I would ne- I don't ever want to underestimate the Patriots. Now, however, I do, I, I stand by saying that I think that the Chiefs are clearly the better football team right now. I think that they are poised to go further in the playoffs than New England is, barring some catastrophic injury. We're almost guaranteed to play them. But either either in Arrowhead or at Foxborough. Yeah, and the 2-3 two, two, matchup are very, very Unless high, we lose in the first, or one of us loses in the first round, it's pretty much locked in that it's going to be 2-3 New England Kansas City. Well, here's the thing, and then we can squash this and move on. I know because Belichick is so smart, I don't want to like kind of short sight this, but I think that we would be foolish to disregard how the Patriots went about scoring their points in that game at home because I don't think that that is a Patriots team that's planning for January and trying to set things up. I think that that was a Patriots team that was desperate oh, yeah. to try to beat the Chiefs. Yeah. All you're using all these trick, trick plays, plays and penalties. All that stuff. That's all. And it's just like if if that's what you have to resort to in order to try to stay in and you know eventually attempt to win that game. I don't think that that's them trying to hide their cards and see what they can no. get away with. They genuinely wanted to win that game and they could not get it done. Yes. But credit to Belichick for, for manufacturing those points. Because yeah. they could not move the ball. They couldn't run it. They couldn't throw it. And yet they were still able to get points out of a fucking drive of penalties the first drive, which was so agonizing. That was, I was, we were so upset watching that. Um, and then, you know, the trick plays throughout the, throughout the night that got them yards. But I will say, my, my, kind of my big takeaway from that was, right now, as a fan, New England's our biggest rival. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I might hate Oakland or, or Denver more, um, you know, from a historical standpoint, and just from like a, well, I don't know, just like fans maybe, just like I like the like what they represent kind of, but like the Patriots right now, like I was more into that game than any other game by far. Like the Raiders game before was the week before, and it had way more on the line, and I wasn't nearly as into it. And maybe that's just because we blew them out of the water from the start, so there wasn't really much intensity to the game. But that New England game was just like, man, I wanted to fucking take it to them, and I was just just jacked up. I was also drinking whiskey. Maybe that was maybe that was better. <laughs> that, that'll do it. I've seen you drinking whiskey when the Chiefs play Aaron Rodgers on Monday Night Football. That yeah, well. um, I do kind of drink whiskey when I dis- when, when I despise the opponent. Right. Interesting. Okay. I will. I will say this. Um, Everything I said about Aaron Rodgers that night came true, by the way. <laughs> you got so mad at Mike Tirico. I felt bad for Tirico. Um, well, but I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I do agree with you that the Patriots are probably like, especially for Chiefs fans, like that is our biggest rival for sure. Um, I think the team takes that game very seriously because of, you know, the, the Patriots' mystique. But 
I mean, this playoff game, it might be the last. I mean, it depends on what Brady does. It depends on, like, what they do. But, like, as soon as it's not Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, it's no longer the New England Patriots to me. Yeah. And, I mean, maybe they go out and do something weird and they say, like, well, we're going to let Tom walk or Tom retires and they... She seems to be a lot of rivers or some weird thing <laughs> to like try to to try to hang on to the glow. Jameis Winston, I, dude, you know Jameis Winston and Belichick. I think, think Jameis is good, um, <laughs> but I mean, I I do think that especially knowing that like if the Chiefs and the Patriots do as the numbers suggest end up end up meeting in the playoffs, it, it might be the last time. Yep, and I really don't want some bullshit. Patriots victory to be like the final taste in my mouth Oof. against that team. I would be so depressed for yep. for a very long time. Yep. That like that's the way that that rivalry ends is the Patriots winning on trick plays and penalties and Foxborough stuff. Um, whatever. I I do. All right. So oh, you mean them cheating? Yeah, cheating. <laughs> that's that's a good. Way that's like to, a That's a good way to summarize it. Um. Okay, listen. The, the Chiefs played a really, really magnificent game against the Broncos on Sunday in the snow. Um, snow football! I... Patrick Mahomes loves the elements, man. <laughs> like, he... I love how he was talking about, like, what snow does. How he, like... The football? Like, the grippiness? Like, could grip it. And he's like, I, you know, I learned that. Like, that first game against Denver or something. And it was just like... He's just all in for weather games. What are you saying that, like, the te- that they should move the team or something? To, to Siberia. Because yeah. I keep seeing takes that, like, before the snow game, like, we should put a roof over Arrowhead so we can maximize our, our potential with the quarterback that we have. And I, I think they got it all wrong. I think yeah. we need to, you know, hide, we need to pour snow in. We need to put fake snow over Arrowhead before every game. Mm-hmm. I, or move to Siberia. I don't have any of the quotes pulled up, but I think that everyone probably saw them in some way, shape, or form. The, the quotes that come out of Cortland Sutton, Von Miller, and Chris Harris after this game are just agonizing for Broncos oh, fans. Yeah. And, <laughs> oh my God, I loved it so much. Cortland Sutton just being like, I hate that team. I hate them so much. That was interesting. Like, and he's, it's, it's only his second year. Second so year. That's kind of interesting. <laughs> Vaughn Miller just being like, I don't, I don't know what we I can guess they, do. Denver did play as close twice last year, so I guess mm. the the hatred could build from that. And the, the left handed pass, I mean, that could be pretty right. uh, agonizing to be on the wrong end of. The Chris Harris quotes. Doesn't it seem destined that either Chris Harris or Vaughn Miller is going to be a chief? I think that like, Chris Harris just, wants. You just to get play that impression, like time. one of these two is going to come over to Kansas City. I don't know. Vaughn Miller, man, I I don't know if he's saving something in the tank. He used to be so dominant and. I'm, Mitch Schwartz just, owns his ass, but even other games with Denver, and I just don't notice Von Miller anymore. I don't know if he's giving what he has because he just doesn't That's believe in entirely what the possible. Doing. And I don't blame him because I mean you have mileage on your body, so why right. waste it in a five and nine season? The thing that I love about How Chris is Harris he? is he just like he splits no hairs. They were asking him about like you know, <clears throat> I if. You get a couple pieces in the offseason, he's like, we're a lot more than a couple pieces away. Like, this team is missing a lot. I mean, he has zero interest in playing for the Denver Broncos anymore. And I think that he's really irritated that they've continued to refuse to trade him for him to finish out this contract where he feels like he's underpaid and he's on a bad team. They're just wasting his time. 
Von Miller is only 30 years old. Okay. But here's here's the bigger tidbit. Von Miller's middle name is Bavashan. It is B apostrophe V S E A N. Bavashan. 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 Von and, and his first name's Vaughn, by the way. So it's Vaughn. Von Vonny Bavashan. Vonny Bavashani Miller. All right. Interesting. I don't know if you're trying to butcher it, but I also I don't, don't know how know. to say that I word. Like, I, I don't, don't know, know how to say that. You have some issues with pronunciation. Pronounce it. But pronounce I, that. I do. I think you're on target. Bubashan. Bubashan. I don't know. I don't know. It looks like one of those typo uh, birth certificates. That's <laughs> that was supposed to be a U. <laughs> oh man, that's rough. Um, I mean, I don't think that there are really any major takeaways from the Denver game other than it was really awesome to sit at home on my couch and watch it. Yeah, very pretty. Very um, pretty. I bet was, the crowd was electric. I bet it was an old school crowd out there the, from most accounts. Honestly, the only thing that surprised me was that you didn't get, like, vintage LaShawn McCoy. Yeah. I was just thinking that, like, LaShawn McCoy, <clears throat> with all the years that he had in Buffalo and all the great snow games that he's had in his career... I was like, man, they're going to give LaShawn McCoy 15 or 20 carries, and he's going to have over 100 yards and score a touchdown, and it's just going to be this great thing that we then probably forget in the full, like, 2019 Chiefs lexicon because it'll be, like, the LaShawn McCoy game. Yeah. He probably won't have anything else like it, but well, I also, no, he's... Um, I wonder if we're kind of saving him for the playoffs, but th- this is something we'll get into later. We're going to do a uh, uh, kind of go around the, around the Chiefs roster later. Uh, since we haven't done many shows this this year, so we haven't. There's a lot of players we just haven't touched on, so we're just going to kind of go position by position uh, in the back half of this podcast. Uh, but for now, what, what should we talk? Terrell Suggs. Yeah, let's do excitement. Some... Excitement level for T Sizzle. I gotta say, seeing him in Chiefs red, he's just got a great look to him. He looks like a, a mean ass football player that I want on my team, and that might last for all of three games. But I want that for these three games. I, it looks like a like it's going to be fun. I saw the very brief, like, at his locker Q&A. They showed a video. Is it the one where you can hardly hear it? Yeah, but (laughs) but it wasn't too bad on the video that they put together. Whoever had that particular audio was a lot better than, like... I think I saw it on Arrowhead Pride, and it was just like... It was... It was not good. It was getting... (laughs) It was was making me anxious listening to it. Well, he... They asked him the question about, like, you know ending up here and did you have to be convinced to come here and all that whatever and he gets this big smile on his face and he's like it's pretty hard to say no to the MVP and like he didn't even have to talk to Mahomes like Andy's the one that called yeah, him I was gonna say is, is Andy but, the MVP but like he just MV Reed. He, he just looked excited and to me like I'm not trying to get like too deep here, but like that's the no. Let's get deep. That's the cool thing about sports. Sometimes is that you see this grown ass man who honestly, like, if you had to, you know, whether it's in his pads or just like on the street, he's really imposing. Terrell Suggs is not small. He's 37. (laughs) If he was wearing his pads on the street, he would be very imposing. I'm I'm just saying, like, not like lined up on. on I gotta tell you, I'm not gonna say anything to to to. Terrell Suggs. Devon Bashan. <laughs> to Terrell Bavashan Suggs. 
on the street in full pads. No, I'm not gonna. Yeah, that, I'm not gonna line up in a three point stance against them. That's like a unless I've had a few beers and then I might and then I might do it. Talk about like a different variation of the Terry Tate offensive <laughs> linebacker. It's, you know, if we could do a segment with Terrell Suggs, just do man on the street with Terrell Suggs yeah. in full pads, or that skit where they're they're throwing the football. There's like a fumble, and then the team comes charging at the random strangers <laughs> on the street. But Terrell Suggs is one of them. There you go. <laughs> I guess I just for like this big ass dude. He's been in the league a long time. I mean, the tweet that you had said something like he slayed Giants. I mean. Terrell Suggs he, is beaten New England. He's, he's not a lot of teams have beaten New England in the playoffs when it matters most, and he has been on multiple teams that have done it. I think that he is maybe not first ballot, but without question a Hall of Fame football. I was kind of player. debating that too. Uh, we've had a long list of players that just make random cameos at the end of their career. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know Ty Law and Darrell Rivas, and obviously Montana back in the day, and now Terrell Suggs, the players that are just like he was a chief. Yeah, I mean, Darrell Rivas was a chief. People are going to be saying that in ten years and be very right, confused, and right. I probably will be right with them. I, the thing that's so cool is to see his face light up about what is obviously going to be a short stint with this team. You think he just retires after this year? I mean, maybe he might. He might try to do one more year, but I would think he probably signs like the one day contract to retire as a Raven after this. But to retire as a chief. I mean, it just lets you know that there are guys out there that love this game. That makes, like, the kind of angst and energy and love that, like, we as fans put into it. It makes it worth it to see someone like Suggs end up in a completely unfamiliar place. You know, probably doesn't know many or any of his teammates, you know... LaRon McClain ain't walking through that door. Right. But, like, he's happy to be here. He's excited because of what the team has built, because of who the coach and the quarterback are. And I just, I think he's going to be extremely valuable. I know that, like, we're always pretty positive on this show. And so I don't want to just, like, always hit the same note. But, like... Well, we're fans. We should be positive. what's, What's the argument... Against this move, I don't think it exists after losing Okafor and Ogba and being able to add a guy of this caliber. Like, here's the thing that really stands out to me. You know, you look at the leadership and the experience that this guy brings into the fold. He is instantly, aside from Dustin Colquitt, like the veteran on the team. He's probably the only player that has a Super Bowl ring. At the very least, like, legitimately has a Super Bowl ring. Frank, like, no, Frank wasn't around. Doesn't I don't, the, the I don't think that was Frank got you know, Okafor with the Saints. I mean, potentially. I'm talking about like the kind of I contribution that Suggs is doing. I you, you know, I mean, when this guy talks, if he chooses to, which you assume that he will, everyone is going to listen. And I just, I think that that's just such a huge boost to this team at the right time. Not just because there was clearly a need on the roster, but and I don't even think that they were like lacking in leadership. But like to have someone that can really help them center their minds and focus on what the goal is and what it takes. I mean, dude, I, I just think it's massive. I think it's going to be a really, really important move for them. And you can make all the the points that I think others have probably 
brought to the table about, you know, this is such a Patriots move, bringing in James Harrison late in the year, things like that. Pretty identical to the James Harrison. It is. And, and I mean, James Harrison had a big sack and yep. caused that penalty against Fisher and all sorts of other things. I mean, like, he was a factor. And, I mean, I just, I think that we're going to see Terrell Suggs do some things that maybe people have kind of written him off and thought that he wasn't capable of. I think he's going to be energized by this team just as much as this team is going to be energized by him. He's getting a strip sack at some point. That's happening. He's, he has a, a Hope, nose Hopefully on Lamar. He's got a nose I don't know. I'd like to look up forced fumble rankings of all time because I think Terrell Suggs would be among among the highest. Uh, he already – they said that he has th- three this year. He has five and a half sacks, and three of them were forced fumbles. That's, so I think the one negative – the only argument against, because I've seen, I because I don't think there is much of one. It would just be like he doesn't really care because he's just kind of stopping here for three games, and you know, it's kind of the did Darrell Rivas really care when he was here? Did he care if the team won or lost? But I, yeah, and I don't think I don't think he necessarily did. He still played. He's a professional, but you know, you want players bought in who are going to care. But I think Terrell Suggs is is just not necessarily like that. I think he's just he is the guy that would buy in, and he seems like he's buying in. So it's. Everything seems very promising there. I don't know exactly like how quickly he's going to be brought along. He's listed as the number two defensive end behind Tano. And they said that he was playing 70% of the snaps in Arizona. So, I mean, in with him, like this guy is, there's not a defense on the planet that he hasn't seen. He probably needs to learn a little bit of terminology, but I'm sure that someone on the field can just be like, hey, do this. But, I mean, his instincts are what they are. He's going to know if he needs to get after the quarterback or if he needs to hold the edge as a, as a run player. And apparently he's like one of the top five or six run defenders in the NFL. That's what I heard. I was listening focus. to, uh, it was probably on Carrington's show. They had uh, <laughs> uh, either, one of the Arizona or Baltimore guy, but they talked about how good he was at setting the edge. Uh, one of the other guys commented on how his, his production has dipped towards the end of the season the last couple of years, uh, which would kind of just be a uh, sign of, getting old and not being on form for 20 games kind of thing. Uh, but hopefully he's got, you know, good rest. I mean, he hasn't played, like, what, for three or four weeks now? Uh, no, uh, it's, it's been 10, I think today is 11 days since his last game. Oh, that's it? Okay. Yeah. Um, I actually looked up forced fumble list here. He is 11th all time in forced fumbles. Nice. Number one. Derek Thomas. No, Derek Thomas number nine. Really? Yeah. Um, um, Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence... Wow, not in the top 20. Tom Bahali, 19th. I do not see Lawrence Taylor. That's kind of weird. Number one is Robert Mathis. That's cool. And then Julius Peppers, John Abraham, Dwight Freeney. And Dwight Freeney and Robert Mathis, first and fourth, all-time in force fumbles. There's Dude, their, John Abraham was... Their key success. John Abraham, like, a very, very underrated player that was effective for a long time. Peanut Tillman, sixth. Really? Yep. With the with the peanut punch. The peanut punch that everybody does now. I was talking. I was I was watching uh, football with my girlfriend. She very rarely watches football, and she saw this guy like do like the peanut punch, and he was she was just she was really confused. Like that guy just punched him, and I was like, yeah, it is it is getting kind of popular, but it's kind of weird because sometimes they like miss the football, so you just see him walk in and, and just kind of come in and punch a player right in the stomach or something. Uh, it is it's kind of weird. It's it's. I don't know if it seems a little unsportsmanlike, maybe, but it's it's a football play. I mean, it's right. 
So it's, but it's going to lead to something with a very weird punch at some point. Like the Daniel Sorensen weird punch. You remember that one? I, oh, did he, he got like, he just like, right? he, he just like threw a forearm kind of thing. It was, uh, Adam Driver style into the, into the wall. They don't call him Dirty Dan for nothing. <laughs> yeah, I'm all for it. Keep that's, trying to cut Sorensen, you jerks. It's not happening. Um, okay. Here, I want to, I want to ask you a couple things before we get into some specifics. Um... Neutral site. I'm sure that you listen to Bill Simmons and Cousin Sal, and they're, I mean, I think that they're probably still blowing it out of proportion a little bit, but, like, the saying this past week that home field advantage, like, does it matter anymore? Um, everyone has all these great road records. The Chiefs have only, like, they're, they've lost three games at home and only one on the road or something. Yeah. Um, so, neutral site, just to try to take some of these factors out. I want to kind of get your pulse of where you think the Chiefs are at. And I'm not trying to necessarily turn this into a power rankings. It doesn't have to be a list. But how many teams would you take over the Chiefs in a neutral side game right now? Uh, Lining up. Me personally? Yeah. Zero? You personally. You, I'm not saying like, like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't uh, think that the Chiefs are uh, good enough or whatever. <laughs> I'm not talking about that. But like, like the pragmatic his darkness. Looking on paper, I don't know if you have to like figure out how many teams would be favored over the Chiefs in a neutral side no. or whatever. No. But like literally, no one. The you're Chiefs are me, the best team in the NFL. That's you're asking me about the 2019 Chiefs in December of 2019. There is no fucking chance I'm putting any team over the Chiefs. Not okay. the way they're playing right now. All right. I, don't, I, I might have a few weeks ago when Baltimore was at their absolute peak and the Chiefs were, you know, a month of struggles in. Okay. Uh, right now, no, no, everything's coming to fruition as as far as I'm concerned. The Chiefs, uh, and and this the only thing that really stands in their way, in my opinion, and the only team you could put above them right now is Baltimore, mm-hmm. and and they're just kind of playing at an all time rate right now because of the way their defense has come on. Um, they just have a really good offense and a really good defense. I mean, it's I think they're. Potentially an all-time great team, or they put together an all-time great regular season, uh, and I still feel very confident going into Baltimore. Uh, any other teams in the league? I mean, maybe some NFC teams. Definitely not an AFC team. An AFC, an NFC team. I don't know, San Francisco, New Orleans, maybe. Uh, they're good. I don't know. I'm I'm probably biased, but I'm putting the Chiefs above everybody right now. I think they're playing fantastic. I think they're coming on at just the right time. Uh, they are finally healthy. Andrew Wiley was the only player that didn't practice today, and his backup might be an upgrade to him. Mm-hmm. So, I, I struggle. That's pretty alarming. I right struggle now, to find right. I mean, with what we've dealt with all year, I mean, this is usually it's usually working the inverse way to this. We are usually healthy a lot of the season, and then you know Justin Houston's going down in in December with an injury, and Spencer Ware and Macklin and all that. This I'm basically just recounting the 2015 season, but. Um, I mean, I mean everything could just as easily be Derek Johnson getting hurt at Arrowhead in December. It could be it's oh, it's you know, either week one or in December, I guess. Because we either have the whole team go down in week one, or or we wait until December and and have nagging injuries where we're like, will they play? Will they play? Will they be effective? Won't right. they? I gotta tell you, man, when when Okafor <clears throat> went down and people were speculating because of how quickly he got ruled out that he was done. Especially before they ended up bringing in Suggs, I was like, dude, 
What is it about this team not being able to get to the playoffs without having their pass rushers? Yeah. Don't get me wrong, like, Frank Clark has been able to tough it out the past couple weeks, and, like... The stories on Frank Clark I don't, are... I don't think that, the, like, there's there's no way to blow out of proportion, like, what this dude is doing right now. No, based on what not if these stories are accurate. I mean, they, they... lost 20 pounds? Yeah, they seem unbelievable, just like... like I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I have no reason not to believe them, but they are insane. I mean... It sounds insane if you're just sitting at home being a regular person, but this guy is, is playing NFL football at a, at a high level yeah. dealing with this. Well, and it's like, football inherently kind of like brings out these legends. And, I mean, I think that Frank Clark is absolutely deserving of the status that he's getting and the kind of respect that he's getting among Chiefs fans right now because... I, the thing that I'm still completely baffled by was that apparently team doctors were telling him that he should not play to start the season, and he was only at twenty yeah. percent to enter the year. <laughs> that, one like, that one I questioned. That one I questioned. Like, if, wait, what? I 20, mean, twenty percent major pause for me. Yeah, I think you'd be walking with like a cane if you're <laughs> if you're operating at twenty percent. Like you'd be, uh, you'd have ventilators in your in your body. Ventilators? I mean. It, I, I've i got all the faith in the world that Terrell Suggs is going to be at least as healthy as he can be or as can be reasonably expected for the playoff run. But before Suggs, when we were down to passing yo, don't get me wrong, I was still like, you know what, we can bounce Chris Jones out there. Yeah. Passing yo, like we're, we're capable because of the depth and Spagnolo has been so creative. Like I'm not that worried, but like, God, man. Like we always get hit on the edge every time. Justin Houston, D4, Tom Ali, like, couldn't count on any of them for half a decade, constantly having these issues. We get rid of them, and now we lose two guys to the new Achilles in Kansas City, the torn pectoral. Pe- I would never, not be Never good when a player goes down with a peck injury. It's never, you never hear one to two weeks because of a hurt peck. Did Breland Speaks also tear his peck? Is that what happened to him? Who? I'm just asking. I don't know. I, I, it's been so long. No, but, uh, who? Who? <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say this. I, I think. I think Braylon Speaks might be a factor on this defense next year. Next year. Next year. 2020 Chiefs. I have no idea what happened to him. I thought we were just gonna cut him, so we put him on IR, so that he would that he wouldn't get cut. Uh, no. I think that that Brett Veach is dedicated to trying to make Braylon Speaks a quality football player. I do. He had some. He had some. He. He had a terrible start to this year last year. I think he came on and had some, some yeah. decent moments. I uh, totally forgot he existed. MCL sprain and meniscus. So, no, not a torn pack. Gotcha. I'll, I'll say this. I, I watched that AFC Championship from last year. I forgot Reeland Speaks existed. I was kind of blown away when I saw him. Like, Who's that fat ass? <laughs> I'll, I'll say this. You and I, I don't know if it was the last show, but at some point during the very few shows that we have put together this year, we had our... Let's bitch about Brett Veach. Yeah. Brett Veach bitching bash, baby. Bash at the beach. Um, bash at the beach. There you go. Oh, man. Either way. Um, bash got, at the beach, 96. I, I, gotta, I gotta, like, give Veach some credit been for... A couple, been a good couple months. Been a good month, six weeks for Brett Veach. Very much in the same, like... Fashion that Dorsey did. Dorsey ended up hitting a little bit in his first draft class. And I say a little bit because I think that his first draft class included 
I know that it included Fisher. I think that it also included Kelsey. Kelsey yeah. But Kelsey didn't like contribute at yeah. that point. Well, so, I mean, those are those are two big hits, and the rest of the class was bad. We have no idea if we're going to get anything major out of Veach's first draft class. Technically, it just looks like it's Derek Nottie. Um, but much like John Dorsey and maybe like most GMs in the NFL, the second draft class is where you really start to iron things out. And this draft class looks fantastic. Yep. Fantastic. Even with Colin Saunders kind of fading into the background after having a great stretch there for a few games, like they look, they look very, very good. And Colin Saunders yeah. is still promising. I, I think this is just, you can't go week to week evaluating a GM. It's right. just too big of a job to be like, okay, now we're going to assess 53 players after week six. Yeah. Which we were all kind of doing, and it's, you know, it's part of the fun, but uh, it's it's pretty tough to take serious. It's, it's kind of a, after the year, let's go back and look at how all of each's moves looked. And after last year, they looked terrible. And after this year, with the defense playing the way it is, they're looking... Much, much better. It's just right. had a bad first year, and his second year is looking a whole lot better. And I'm glad that in in so many cases, and maybe like he doesn't have the ability to control like who's on the field. I mean, I would hope that he doesn't. But I feel like he hasn't force-fed players to Spagnolo and said like like play my guys like we need Dorian O'Daniel to develop or we need Darren Lee to hit. You know, like. There are guys on this team that are Brett Veach guys that are literally not seeing the field because for whatever reason they're not competitive and maybe they might hang on to them like when it comes down to cut time, they get an extra year more than they should or something. But at least we're not seeing them trying to fit all of these square pegs into round holes that you know might just be based on bad acquisitions by him. Mm-hmm. And I, I just I, I have to give him credit for the Suggs thing, even though some people and, and, like, you could probably count me among them, say this was a really obvious move for the Chiefs. Even if Suggs refused to play, preventing him from going to Baltimore, like, it's smart. That is a shrewd business decision. But because of the impact that I think he's going to make and, the, you know, the ability of this team to be able to incorporate him into what they're already doing, like, this is not necessarily a move that I think a lot of teams would make. And don't get me wrong, you ended up seeing four playoff teams claiming him that all the people that were in the waiver order before Baltimore. So I just think that it, it before he made the move, I had like very little hope that he would actually do it regardless of what was going on with Alex Okafor. Really? I did not trust that Brett Veach was going to say, yeah, we'll take that guy. We'll claim him. Well, if nothing else, he's aggressive. Right. So I wouldn't say I didn't feel confident in it. Uh, I didn't really know. I mean, it's just kind of a... It's almost like a one of thirty-two chance. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like drafting a player. Like we have to draft this player. Like well, no, it's it's thirty-two teams going for him. So that's very unlikely. Um, obviously, Suggs was kind of limited to just contenders. Um, it is interesting. I wonder if we would have signed him if Okafor didn't get hurt. That thought has entered my mind. Right. Because the timing worked out really well with that. Uh, I just wonder if we would have if we would have done it without him. And I have no clue. No clue if we would have. Um, before we do kind of our, our wide lens view of the 2019 Chiefs, uh, there are two things that I want to do. Real quick, I do want to touch on the Bears game. Um, it's weird because the Bears are, I think, not technically eliminated from playoff contention, 
I kind of thought that this game was going to get flexed out uh, in favor of Titans Saints, and yet the Chiefs get to keep that late slot. I I think Mahomes drives the ladies. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, do you expect the Bears to be competitive against the Chiefs on Sunday night? It looks like they are completely out of the playoff race. Okay. Wildcard team sitting at eleven and three and ten and four, and they are seven and seven. So they're okay, three yeah, games so, back, all right. two games to go. Uh, sorry, what was the question? Do I expect them to be? Do you expect them to be competitive? Nah, not really. Uh, it's a team with a disappointing season coming down to an end. Uh, no, I I honestly expect them to kind of roll over. I guess Sunday night might give them a boost. Uh, but I think if we pounce on them early, they're going to lay down pretty easily. And I don't, I mean, like, maybe it's the <clears> kind <throat> of game that, like, Mitch Trubisky wants to try to get up for to prove something against Mahomes. Same thing with, with Nagy against Reed. I mean, I'm, I'm as dismissive as you are right yeah. now, but, like, I don't think that Bears fans are, like, really hyped up to play the Chiefs. I think that they're probably feeling pretty miserable and saying, like, we can't compete with this team. Yeah. We have... You know the Aldi version of their coach and their quarterback. We and got honestly, bad into the deal. Yeah, there's going to be boo birds if Trubisky looks bad with Mahomes in the building. Oh yeah, and they're going to be booing, and they have you know every right to be because it's just it's just setting up like, hey, here's what you could have had. Here's here's what you passed right. on. Here's right. what you traded up to not get. To me, I I really just I want to see the Chiefs kind of be big brother in this and like be able to keep them at arm's length the whole game. I mean, think about it. Like, most of the time... Because Andy is Matt Nagy's big brother? I mean, his dad, More probably. His daddy. But, 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 like... I want to be their daddy. Every time that we reduce football down to, like, very, very essential points, it always comes back to coach and quarterback, right? Well, I mean, in this case, clearly the Chiefs have the better coach. They clearly have the better quarterback. And despite all of the, you know, the whatever press about the Chicago defense that has been so celebrated for the last couple of years, especially after getting Khalil Mack, the Chiefs might have the better defense while we're at it right now. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't see a phase of the game that I'm truly scared of the Bears. Even if their defense is in, like, the top, you know, 10 to 12 defenses in the league, even at this stage of this season, I mean, they put Danny Trevathan and Rokon Smith on IR, so they don't have anybody that's really going to run with Travis Kelsey. You know, he's starting a middle linebacker, right? Uh-uh. Kevin Pierre-Louis. Really? Yeah. Fantastic. And he's, and he's looked good. Oh. I, I saw some Kevin Pierre-Louis praise on okay. the timeline. He's, I mean, he's a Matt Nagy guy, apparently. Yeah. I guess I just, I, I hope that the Chiefs, they don't necessarily have to, like, blow the doors off this team, but I'd really like to see them just put a pretty thorough victory together where I'm, the game's just never in doubt. We should, we should also say, if the Patriots beat the Bills, this game really doesn't matter. Right. I mean... If the Patriots win out, which I think their last game is, is it the Dolphins? I think they have the Jets. Either the, Dolph- the Dolphins. It's either the Dolphins or the Jets. Um, if the Patriots beat Buffalo on Saturday, like then the Chiefs don't have a huge incentive. To, no. To, they might even like rest guys, potentially. The I last week. It, though, the last but... week. So we still got we got a one-game lead on the Texans if you want the three-seed over the four-seed. Okay. So we do have to keep winning for that, I guess. Um, so yeah, there's something. We follow the four-seed if we lose. I don't think there's much uh, harm in falling to the four seed, really. Right. And, I mean, Houston has uh, Tampa this weekend. Okay. You're going to make fun of Jameis after he beats Houston, are you? 
beat your boy. I'm not making fun of Jameis. I love Jameis. I, I love Jameis Winston. Too. But the idea of Jameis Winston with Bill Belichick is, is highly comical to me. That yes, that would probably. I do want to say all of the frustration that with Bill Belichick the, has bottled up with the three seed uh, and the path that the Chiefs have to the Super Bowl. Um, I do want to. I do want to get your just where you stand on the 2019 Chiefs right now. After this, uh, the path to the Super Bowl would be right now the Steelers. The Patriots, the Ravens. These teams have accounted for 12 of the last 16 AFC Super Bowl appearances from these three teams. So it's basically been, actually it's all been these three teams and then Peyton Manning teams. Two Colts teams and two Broncos teams. That's all that's represented in the AFC. So it's, it's, it's fitting and I love looking at things like that. Um, just for the Chiefs to get to the Super Bowl. Uh, to have to go through all of their nemesis, the, the teams that have stood in their way. And we've also lost playoff games to each of those three teams uh, in the last decade or whenever that Baltimore game was back in 2010. So, yeah, last decade. We've lost playoff teams to, games to all three of these teams. So that would be a very fitting path to the Super Bowl. It would, it would please Sir Darkness, I will say that. But, right. but the 2019 Chiefs, where, where are you standing on? Are you confident Going into this, how do you think we stack up with the Ravens might be the main question. You already said you think, you think we're superior to the Patriots. How are you feeling against the Ravens would be the biggest question right now. I mean, i got to be honest, man. I am in many ways blinded by belief in Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and honestly a little bit of the His Darkness 2019 juju. The magic. Um... I just, I'm not, I'm not concerned. To me, let's think about it this way, all right? The way that this team is playing, the Chiefs defense have allowed 11.3 points per game in the last month. They have outscored AFC West opponents 145 to 45. The cornerbacks for the Kansas City Chiefs have allowed the fewest receptions to wide receivers in the NFL this year. Fewer than the fucking Patriots, the historic Patriots defense that was like in between the 1985 Bears and the 2001 Ravens or something. With a secondary that was much maligned and people screamed on the radio every day that they need to replace the cornerback. I still don't believe in the cornerback (laughs) somehow. I'm like, I don't, it's baffling to me that this group of corners is doing what they're doing and have been doing it for this long throughout this season like, if I have any fear, it's that the bottom is still going to drop out of that somehow. Yep. But, like, who's the team that's going to do it? Because the, I, like... Patriots and Ravens don't have I don't think, electrifying passing games. Exactly. And yeah. that's the thing where it's like, if anyone could potentially, Bills, like, really Steelers, take advantage of what the Chiefs, like, might have a deficiency the on Texans. the outside, maybe. Like, it, it could be Houston, potentially. But otherwise, it's an NFC team. And even when Houston beat us, and maybe we were paying extra close attention to the receivers, but it was all, it was running the ball, and it was little play-action dump-offs to the tight end, little misdirection play-actions all game long. Like, the receivers, right. I, I actually, I think they did get open quite a bit, and they dropped. I remember Don, Hopkins Stills, dropped touchdown. Kenny Stills dropped, like, three yeah, balls. Yeah, they were, the receivers were probably pretty bad in that game, and that helped the Chiefs look better in that regard. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was the running game and the tight ends that really beat us down that game. It's just amazing to me. So, Bashad Breland and Charverius Ward are both ranked in the top ten in passer rating against this year. All right. Like, we'll get, we'll get there. We'll get there. The way that the defense is playing right now gives me a tremendous amount of confidence. 
And I still think, and maybe I'm just holding out hope, and this is the Chiefs' offense, and they're not going to, you know, give you that explosive, you know, 28-point second quarter again. I don't, I don't know. But I have so much faith in Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and this offense that, like, I, I just, I don't think the only teams that actually, like, put any sort of fear in me are in the NFC, and it's like, okay, well, see you in the Super Bowl. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I just, no. I don't think that there's an AFC opponent that I'm, like, genuinely afraid of. Even going on the road to Baltimore in the AFC Championship game, it's like, yeah. Mahomes has played in one. Lamar Jackson has not. Like, at the very least, Lamar Jackson hasn't done it. And maybe he's got a bunch of other leaders on the team, but, like, I just, I think that Mahomes is ahead of Lamar Jackson in development. And even if Lamar has had a fantastic year, I just, I'm not, I'm not scared. I'm not scared. Good. Now, I, I want to do a very uh, different version of a thing that we've been doing for the last couple years. I believe it's time for Sammy Watch. Nackins! Did you say Nackins? Nackins! Like, like, I need some Nackins! Some, some Nackins? You're going to clean up his poor performances? Uh, <laughs> Kins. Uh, Alright. Sammy's matchup with Stefan Gilmore was cool, I guess. Yeah. Um, maybe that rivalry goes back to college. They both, yep. I think, played in the they ACC. They And so, like... You know, there's some sort of competitive thing between the two of them. I don't really I know. I think Sammy Watkins' best best play as a chief was was hammering Steph Gilmore into the sideline. Okay. That was, I mean, that was some serious ownage. I, I could see that. And We've and, reached the Dwayne Bowe part of Sammy Watkins' career where we're just... We great just, blocker. Where we comment on his blocking. <laughs> I mean, you know, hey, listen, don't slander Dwayne Bowe with the Sammy Watkins comparisons. That guy's but the, he's the best blocking receiver in the NFL! <laughs> I remember we were discussing at 90s Nebraska football when it came to Doyen Bo because it was like, you know, when Nebraska was at their peak, the receivers had to block a lot. <laughs> well, the thing that I really wanted to focus on with Sammy this week is um, uh, some off the field here. We always talk about how Sammy Watkins, like, he looks cool. Even after he cut the dreads off, I still think he looks cool. I like his haircut. And... His the dreads, weird thing, you have short hair right now? Yeah, he has like a like a. I usually like change hair, the channel. He's like a hairdo. Um, he, has but, a, he has a hairdo. Yeah, he does. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> so, but here here's the thing. I, okay, yeah, I, I get you. He's I Sammy. So it's not short hair; it's just like shorter. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. Sammy seems disengaged a lot of the time, like aloof, I guess. Um, I really can't tell if Sammy Watkins is a tough hang or if he's like the coolest guy in the world. I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some examples and let's see how you feel about this. Alright. So I'm at a party. Sammy Watkins. Drinking Bush Light. I can't tell if this is like him rapping or if he's quoting someone else. Or if it just happens to rhyme here, I don't know. Is this audio? No. No. I'm non-responsive, armed with a conscious, I breathe the law of physics moving through higher dimensions. 
I'm constantly shaping and shifting. I'm just here on a visit. He's a shapeshifter. This is a tweet from Sammy Watkins. Here's another one. It sounds like he does acid like during the week. Here's another (laughs) Sammy Watkins tweet. We have went through many phases and energy shifts as a team and battled through them. The journey have now been aligned and set. The energies, the vibes are mutual. Our souls are now connected. With that alone, we will be a force that cannot be stopped. Sammy Watkins trying to hype people up. But you can tell he's kind of a weird dude. So I want to, I want I like I said, I don't know if, if Sammy's a tough hang or if he's super cool. And in reading these tweets, I want to compare him to someone that maybe you all are familiar with. I guess I could turn on. Let's just... That's fine. We'll edit that out. But I'm going to let you listen to him again. This is who Sammy Watkins reminds me of. Did you ever look at a dollar bill, man? There's some spooky stuff going on on a dollar bill, man. I mean, and it's green, too. It's green, too. It was founded by people who were the aliens, man. George Washington, man. He was in a cult. And the cult was in the aliens, man. You didn't know that? I mean... Is, is that half-baked? No, it's uh, it's uh, Days to Confuse, Slayer. Oh, okay. And okay. so, like... I was thinking of the half-bake when he's, when he's looked at the $20 bill. <laughs> on weed! <laughs> Can you not just see Sammy Watkins having that conversation with his teammates being like, This country was founded by people that believe in aliens. George Washington, he was in a cult, and that cult was into aliens. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's this week's edition of Sammy Watch... Kins, uh, just trying to figure out where you guys stand on on old Sam, because he's a weird dude. I'd hang with him. I'd hang I mean, with yeah. him. Yeah. In the off season. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, let's let, let me ask you this, Dirk. We're gonna do some wide lens scouting of the Kansas City Chiefs with. The the kind of like last point on Sammy, like, what's working, what's not? I don't. Is there is there a level that Sammy Watkins can go to in this offense that he's not playing at right now? Like, I feel like the week one game is such an aberration and it's so far away that like I don't I don't have really any expectations for him at all. Is that, am I just like, am I writing him off and that's premature and I shouldn't? I just think that he has, you know, four or five games left as a Kansas City Chief, essentially. And like, and that's it. And I don't think he's going to do a whole lot in any of those games to prove that he should be here anymore. No, I don't think he can really. Uh, not at that uh, salary. Uh, I, I do kind of have a feeling that he's going to come up big just because of, uh, it being the 2019 Chiefs and me being so negative towards Sammy Watkins that it would make sense for him to be the one that kind of uh, maybe put, makes the big play or something, kind of like you know, like a Demetrius Harris kind of thing where uh, he comes up with the biggest play of the season. Uh, I, I do kind of have hopes for that, but I mean, I don't, I don't fucking know. I think Sammy Watkins just is what he is. He's he might have his weeks where he blows up, but I mean, he's an 800 yard receiver in the NFL, and I, I, 
he's been that for five years, so I don't know why anything would be changing with him now. All right. Are you, uh, you going to lead the way here? Yeah, yeah. Let's get into this. So we're just going to go kind of position by position. Um, we wanted to get into some analytics here, or as I like to say, analyticlicks. Because they're driving the ratings these days, so the amateur hour is diving into it. And I think we each uh, came up with our own rating system. Um, these rating systems are far too com- complex to explain everything that goes into them, but believe us, uh, they are all-encompassing and undeniable. Uh, these are the final rankings. Um, Ryan, would you like to detail uh, what you came up with for a rating system, or for... Uh, for which, how you're going to evaluate the Chiefs players. Yes, yeah, so during the offseason, I was kind of trying to figure out, like, how can I run counter to what I feel like is happening in popular football watching? And I decided that I really wanted to steer into the idea that we are amateurs, and I really want to, like, rely on my eyes and my skills and sensations. And what I came up with was that we should call it the Amateur Scouting Service. The Amateur Scouting Service. Big fan of the Amateur Scouting Service. Or ASS. ASS. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, for short. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so mine, uh, I came up with this week. Uh, I've, I've been diving into the All-22 all week, watched every single Chiefs game in their history, um, and I've, I've ranked every single player, every single play, um, and I've used this, uh, I've been doing this with the football amateur rating technology. Um, some might call it the fart, um, if you're into that. Um, so that's what I will be using to go through this Chiefs roster. And we're not going player by player, don't worry about that. We're just going to have some thoughts on some players. But what the did, fart what the is undeniable, and I believe superior to the ass. What did the fart stand for again? What's the point of, of the ass without the fart? There you go. Okay. <laughs> trying to one-up me with your farts. <laughs> well, I mean, mine's using technology, so I've already got uh, oh, more analytics yeah. towards my uh, yeah. player evaluations. Okay. All right. Uh, I mean, I... All right, so let's let's start with the defense, okay. actually. Um, and, you know, we're going to move quick along here because we usually kind of go overblown when we say this. So, uh, let's... Defensive line. Any defensive lineman, do you got a thought on them? You got a thought on how any other defensive line is played? You've, you've been on a Chris Jones slander. Well, so here's the thing on Chris Jones. He's tall. If he doesn't get a sack, he's liable to swat the ball down. <laughs> he's energetic. He likes to pump people up, including the crowd. And he's got a big dong. Yeah, sticks the hummer out of the garage for every once in a while for a spin, for a spin um, cycle. I, I don't know <laughs> if I don't. Crap, know. we got to come up with a dong uh, acronym here. <laughs> I don't know if the Chiefs can truly afford to pay two different guys on this defensive line oh, hundred sure million dollars. Sure they can. But I got to tell you. It's just not going to be as fun without him. I want him here. Okay, I think so that, do you, I think that are, he's like a, a glue guy. Basically, what you've been saying is Chris Jones won't be back next year. Um, and I don't want to spend too much time on this because I'm, I'm still 2019. She's locked in. But is this because you don't want to pay him, or you don't think the Chiefs are going to pay him? I want to pay him. I would love. Okay, to keep so Chris you're Jones. just thinking this is going I to just, happen. I'm I'm on the the Chiefs are 
chose Frank Clark, it's, and I don't think they can afford to pay Chris Jones. And honestly, when Okafor went down before they claimed Suggs, I was like, oh great, Chris Chris Jones is now going to play defensive end and clearly price himself out of like what we're capable of being able to give him with this stretch that he plays a defensive end to close the season. I I would say um, it's. People think that would be like a ludicrous take, not your take. I, people would think it would be a ludicrous take to not want to pay Chris Jones, but it always seems like that in the moment. There wasn't a person that would have said, "Don't pay Justin Houston" or "Don't pay Eric Berry." Right. Um, it's just it's too when you're in the moment and they look that great, uh, you're not forecasting four or five years down the road, which is what you have to do when you're handing out a hundred million dollar contract like that. So I, as ludicrous as people would think that take would be, and I don't think either of us even have that take. But I, I think it's up for debate. Whenever you're paying someone that much money, it's always a debate. It's it's not just you have to pay him because that's where you get in trouble. Um, so it's, that's just kind of my take on Chris Jones. Uh, moving along, the D-line. How about uh, Ogba? He's a free agent after this year, right? He is. I think that, honestly, like even before, before he got hurt, I was like, just give this guy an extension. Yeah. Like, I thought Ogbo was kind of the perfect player. He was a playmaker, man. That encapsulated like the type of guy that you hope you can bring to Kansas City and then convince them to stay for maybe less than what they'd be offered on the open market so that they can be here and play with Patrick Mahomes. I mean, Ogbo probably had a pretty terrible time in Cleveland before he got here. And then getting to be a part of this team, be a contributor, be used in the right ways, make an impact on the team... And, I mean, even even now that he's on IR, like, the guy's going to get a Super Bowl ring. Hey. I, I, really, hey, I like that. I really want to see Ogba continue to be a part of what they're doing defensively. Yeah, and, and I'll just say for Ogba and Okafor both, I think they've been solid. I think Ogba was uh, better and probably getting paid a little less. Uh, but just these are the type of players that were kind of missing in the John Dorsey era. Uh, just like the solid type of veteran. And I'm typically against this move, like signing free agents that are solid and kind of overpaying for them a little bit. Um, that's not how I would attack a team. But the John Dorsey teams were always, they had all these stars, but like there wasn't enough, you know, grinded out kind of guys. Yeah. Like enough Mike DeVitos is the guy that immediately comes to mind. Yeah. And I guess he was early John Dorsey. Uh, but in those later John Dorsey years, that's the type of guy that was missing, just like the do your job type of guys. Um, that we just we kind of had like a stars and scrubs to borrow a fantasy term on the Chiefs team, uh, and that's you know that's probably a, a knock on John Dorsey, but he also gave us tons of All Pros, so it's it's hard to argue too much. But those are just the type of players that I think you need, and I think the type of player that was missing on the Chiefs in you know the 2015 to 2017 range. And I mean, I don't, I almost feel like that's in some ways like underselling him, uh, because I think that. This is a guy that can be like a, a pretty big contributor for the right team. Ogba, that is? Yeah. But at least for the Chiefs, like, if you lose him and then you lose Suggs, I, I, I don't. I, I, I'm not happy about where they're at. I mean, they can obviously make moves, but like, I'd, I'd really like to see him back in 2020. I got you. Uh, has impressed me. I feel like he has never played as much as he should have, and I think he makes plays every time that he does get in the game. Uh, so I'm not sure what the reason is for him not playing as much. And he finally got some action this year because of injuries. Uh, and I just think, even going back to last year, whenever he's been on the field, uh, he's played well. And I've always I've always kind of liked Tano Passino. And now we got a, a field goal blocking specialist 
on our team, which is which is fun. I dude, Passio, real tall. <laughs> Real your scouting, your scouting service is undeniable. <laughs> it is undeniable. Hundred percent hit rate. All right. Any other D linemen? I think I'm I'm good on that. Uh, the only other guy that I'm at least like moderately interested in talking about. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with Xavier Williams. They slated him to come back for my. Oh yeah. And and with the way that Pinnell is playing, and then I mean you're the guy that they. Brought up from the Ravens, that's more of an edge than anything. I don't, Demone Harris, or yeah, something like yeah. that. People like him. Like I don't, I don't know what corresponding move you make if you activate Xavier Williams because I don't want to get rid of any of the other guys that are playing on that front line. I just want an it's, extra body there. So Ivy's like, already gone. Yeah, and so like I don't, I don't, I don't know what move they can make. Yeah, because sure. they have to. I will they have say, to, like literally release somebody, and so like honestly. I mean, is there an offensive lineman that they can get rid of or something? I, I mean, no I don't, I don't know, I don't know. We got a guy on the team named Jackson Barton. Let's cut his ass. Oh, <laughs> sucks good to me. Um, I, I will tell you that when I asked Ken Swanson, like what the move would be for Suggs, he said he just combed he his said, hair and looked at you. He said Okafor, and I was like, okay, well, that, all right. But then, but dumbass. Then, but then, oh, that's a knock on the on the uh, scouting service. So I said, okay, but then, like, if they're actually going to bring back Xavier Williams, like, give me that corresponding move. And he said that they would cut Dion Yelder. Dion, oh, the tight end. Yeah. Okay. Taking it down to just Travis Kelsey, and, and he never plays. Dozer. He never plays. Uh, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, let's move to some linebackers. Uh, any thoughts on some linebackers? I thought Darren Lee was maybe the most disappointing chief of the season for me. I had high hopes for him, and he can't even see the field anymore, and I don't have much to say beyond that for Darren Lee. He was bad. I think that I really like Damian Wilson more than most people. Certainly what appears to be more than you. Yeah, I don't... But I feel like when I... Have listened to... Does he even play anymore? Yeah. Well, okay, yeah. I always, I keep getting confused with Damone Harris in the 50s, with his number being in the 50s, that he's another linebacker. Right. And so I keep thinking... I think I've asked Craig this like three times. Like, is Damone Harris just... Did he replace Ragland? And he's like, no, he's a DN. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And then a week later, I asked Craig the same thing. Like, is Damone Harris replacing uh, Damian Wilson? And he tells me the same thing. I Thanks, feel, Craig. I feel like this linebacking core... I know more than Craig, like though, the, by the way. The fart. Yeah. <laughs> the he's, fart is I, way He's a big fan that. of my fart. I'll say that. There you go. There you go. I think that... Well, let's see. The way that uh, the amateur scouting service would uh, describe the linebackers, it feels like... Tall. Like a... Very <laughs> tall. Um, it feels like... Ryan just walking around the locker room like, you guys are all tall. <laughs> I, it kind of feels like the like the land of misfit toys. Like all, all the linebackers seem to be playing out of position. We've got you know a guy like Ben Neiman is like the who's getting co- snaps, the coverage linebacker on this team. They're doing a bunch of weird stuff. No one is playing the position that we thought that they should, and yet like it's working. You yeah. know, it's not it's not great, but like it's working. And honestly, the the two guys that stand out to me as players that I feel like I see them make plays in every game. Now, maybe they might make some bad plays. Maybe if you're really crushing the tape, maybe the fart would disagree with me. I yeah. don't know. But Farts disagree with a lot of but people. I, but I feel like... 
<laughs> I feel like the two guys at linebacker that stand out for me almost every single week are Damian Wilson and Reggie Ragland. Okay. They make a play. And even if it's just with Damian Wilson, like, hitting somebody hard, that guy has an edge and an attitude that, like, our linebackers haven't had for a long time. And I don't care if you end up messing up plays and coverage as long as you hit a guy and make him think twice about, you know, coming out there again. And and I just, I really admire Reggie Ragland. I really do. Yeah, I, 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 he is I still remember so much. I still remember player that he is. when we went and saw Veach speak, and he just like, man, he talked about Reggie Ragland for like ten minutes. Awesome. Uh, and I think they were doing like a feature on him or something, but it was just, it seemed like he was his favorite player on the team. Like, like the way he just loved football and and all this about him. Like, maybe it was like the biggest, the first move Veach kind of made. I think because I know that was yeah, early on, and so maybe he has a special tie to him. But man, he spoke glowingly of Reggie Ragland. Did you did you ever listen to Ron the Show Hughley? Yeah. Before the show ended. Yeah. What happened there? Did he I, get fired? Yeah, I don't know. He and Vern are not on the air, and Vern pouring out for Ron. Like, yeah, I don't know. I, I liked I liked it a lot. I liked Ron. Um, he always called Reggie Ragland nasty ass Reggie, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was just great. Well, yeah, of course right. you would like it. Nasty kind of ass there. Reggie. I mean, come on, that's that's a that's far terminology. Maybe we can get Ron on board. The uh, you can sign him to your company. Yeah, there you go. I think he'd you like want to be. be you I want to be a part of my ass. Like to be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will say, Anthony Hitchens. I haven't been getting nearly as mad at him this year as I as I did last year. Maybe that's just all out of my system. Major improvement. <laughs> I haven't been nearly as mad at this yeah. guy. So that's that is a major improvement. I'll say that. Uh, ben Neiman. I could see him being a target. Uh, for teams in the playoffs, a bit of a weak spot. Yeah. Uh, teams trying to go after them in coverage kind of thing. Um, that's it on the linebackers. Let's go to the corners, which we kind of discussed earlier. Uh, I will just say I'll start with um, I'll start with Bashad Breland. I was really happy that he had that game. I guess that would have been against New England. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, th- I think he's played really well. Uh, the, on- the biggest and only knock on him really this year is the penalties. And, man, I feel like every single one of them is so touchy. That if you take those penalties out this year, I think Bashad Breland has been really good. Well, the other thing is that Bashad Breland doesn't have the reputation that corners like Richard Sherman or Stefan Gilmore have, but he plays the same game. I'm not saying that he has the same amount of skill or that he's as athletic or whatever, but he plays the same way. And, I mean, I have heard people much smarter than me who would probably turn their noses up at your fart, or at my ass? But I've 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 heard a lot of people say that Stephon Gilmore, like all he does is just get his hands on receivers and constantly try to knock them off of what they do, and he's really physical, and that's the way that Richard Sherman has always played. That's Bashad Breland, man. It is. He's he's and, just a physical and player. That style of play lends itself. In the playoffs. It does. Everything gets more physical in the playoffs. Watching that AFC Championship game, man, I could not believe the physicality between both teams, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly the Patriots defensive backs giving it to the Chiefs receivers in the first half. And it was just like, you guys got to fucking man up. Like, I get it. They are holding you. They're grabbing you. And they've made a few calls, but they're not calling it every down. Every team knows this secret about the NFL. They're not going to call holding on every every down, even though it feels like it a lot of the time, especially on third down. My God. Um, but in the playoffs, you're allowed to be more grabby, and I think that lends itself to Breland, and it leads itself to the to the Chiefs in general. Also, I want to say, I don't know if I'm just blinded by, like, Sean Smith in the 21. Bashad Breland being only 5'11", 
just blows my mind. I still can't wrap my mind. He seems like he's 6'2". Like, even when I just watch him play, like, it just he seems like a 6'2 guy. And I think I'm just, I have, I, I watch him, and I just, I'm watching Sean Smith in my mind. I can't, I can't make the, you know, uh, I can't make out the difference between them. So you're saying he's tall? <laughs> he's not tall. Seems the tall. fart says he's not tall. <laughs> he seems tall. Um, Any I, corners? I I would like to touch on at least briefly. You're gonna rub your butt on it? Rub, no. your ass, rub your ass on it? I, I'm I'm gonna use this as an opportunity to talk about a guy that's been playing a lot of corner, um, and that's Tyron Matthew. The oh. landlord. Oh, step it uh, on the next segment. No, because I've got another. We'll talk safety. about him again. I've got another segment right. that I want to talk right. about. You can only talk about his corner play right That's now. That's fine. Um, <laughs> I think that Tyron Matthew is as close to an Eric Berry adjacent as exists in the NFL. He doesn't have like the cancer storyline, which is a huge part of Eric Berry. But the way that people rally around him, the kind of impact that he can have as a culture changer on your team, and like he's I, infectious. He's he the the biggest difference between the two is that like Honey Badger, he genuinely fits that nickname so well because like he just sticks his nose in places where people sort of think it doesn't belong. The way that he does stuff on Twitter, that's rich. I mean. Like, every, everything about him, he's more, like, boisterous, I guess, than Eric Berry. And I yeah. just... God, he's just awesome. Yeah. He's yeah. so much better than I thought he was going to be. I thought that they were really, like, kind of counting their chickens before they hatched with the way that they were promoting him and talking about what he could do and everything, like, how he was going to be this catalyst for the new Chiefs defense. He's been all that and more. The guy's unbelievable. Yep. He is. He's fantastic, and it, he seems to like have. He seems to be friendly with every player in the NFL, and I think that might just come from. I mean, obviously his personality, but just like everybody knew him in college, and everybody mm-hmm. just kind of admired him. So everybody recognizes his name, his look, everything. Uh, and then he had he kind of had like the fake marijuana story, and I think people probably related to that quite a bit. And also, I think he he was coming off that injury for the Texans season last year, right? Like he mm-hmm. wasn't as great for the Texans as he was, you know. At that peak time with the Cardinals, because I thought when the Cardinals were, you know, contending, Tyron Matthew was awesome. I thought he was, he was blowing me away. And people were saying he wasn't as good last year with the Texans, but coming off an injury the first year back for a lot of players is, you know, a step down usually. Uh, so I think we're just seeing him take that step up after being healthy for two years in a row now. And dude, he is—he's fantastic. And I will say, compared to Barry, I think you were comparing him kind of uh, emotionally almost. He's a better slot corner than Barry. Barry would play the slot a lot. And maybe Barry was better against tight ends, not in the final game of his career. Uh, but, man, Tyron Matthew in the slot. That play on Cortland Sutton last week in the end zone, a perfectly thrown fade ball, and for him to just get his hand in there against a 6'4 receiver, so he has six inches on him, that's an, a, a hell of a play. That's and an amazing play. Like, so and we've really changed it. too. We've like, changed the defense to playing a lot less third corner and just moving Tyron Matthew to the slot. Like, that's been a lot of the adjustment right. uh, for this defensive improvement that we've seen. And it's primarily because another corner, Kendall Fuller, looks cool, doesn't play cool, looks cool, though. Um, I mean, now they've been 
kind of dropping him back at safety and like moving him into corner, but in weird spots, like yeah. using him differently because they figured out like, look, when the defense wasn't playing well, we were relying on Kendall Fuller to be the slot corner, and we hadn't really developed you know Juan Thornhill enough, and now we can put Matthew in that slot, and it just makes them a better defense. They are better when Tyron Matthew plays slot corner than when essentially anybody else does. Yeah. I would think, though, that when Fitton is back and healthy, <clears throat> that they're going to continue to give him cracks at that spot. That will be he's, interesting. I, I, he's been good in the time that he's gotten. I'm looking at Fuller's snaps. It looks like he got hurt after week six and then was back in week 13, and he's played 27%, 48%, 56% of the snaps. Okay. And I will say... I didn't even know he was playing the last couple of games. Yeah, which is a good thing for a corner. Yeah, because you don't you don't want to hear their name. Um, so that's a promising thing. Um, it is kind of interesting how far he's fallen because I mean he was supposed to be the number one corner on this team and he's clearly either the number three or the number four at this point. I have a um, hard so, time seeing him get another contract. Uh, yeah, me very, too. Very very hard time. Me too. Uh, but just props to um, you know to the team for recognizing that he's not our best corner and, you know, adjusting to that. You know, Charveris Ward, who I think is just awesome. He's become one of my favorite players on this team because uh, I was probably pretty hard on him. And I think it was mostly just because two plays. You're seeing the same fucking overtime plays. And I don't even know if it was his fault. It was a miscommunication between him and Fuller. We don't know whose fault that is. Um, um, I didn't want to overlook him with, like, the scouting that we're doing, but I feel like he's a guy that we've talked about a decent amount in the limited shows that we've done. And everyone, rec- like, by now, Traverius Ward should be a household name. He for, should be. For, for, I don't know if he is. For Chiefs fans. I don't know. Like, and even when he struggled <laughs> last year, that Seattle game jumps to mind, and I really feel like it was just Russell, Russell Wilson. Wilson threw three perfect deep balls, and I get that Traverius Ward maybe isn't the greatest at, you know, locating the ball and making a play on it at its highest point or whatever, but those passes were perfectly thrown, and I don't, you could, it could be anyone in coverage. It could be anyone with great coverage if it's perfectly thrown deep ball. It's, it's very hard to stop, unless you're Tyron Matthew, apparently. I mean, he's also an undrafted free agent that's probably 23 years old. It's his second year, his right? second year in the Charverius. NFL. I mean, and... He's a fucking asset at this point. That's another... Another little Veach. drop in the bucket for Brett Veach. That's a big old drop. That might be the biggest drop. Probably. He's been very good. Uh, Maurice Claiborne, Morris Claiborne, I will say, uh, I... Haven't, I don't know if he's playing good, bad, anything. Which I mean, is probably he, good for a He's corner. not playing right now because he's been hurt the last that's couple true. weeks. That's um, true. I don't, I don't, he just doesn't really factor into the equation for me. Yeah, that's fine. Don't really care if he's here. Okay, safeties. What do you got? Uh, I mean, I'm clearly going to talk about Dan Sorensen, who has the greatest ass margin of all Chiefs players. Okay. Our metric is designed to build up Dan Sorensen, so there might be a little bit flaw in the system. How can I make Daniel Sorensen the best player on the team? (laughs) And that's that's how the metric works. Um, Look, I know all the complaints that people have about Daniel Sorensen are in some way valid. But what you have to recognize... I don't know if they are. ...is that Daniel Sorensen, when given the opportunity... To be the third safety on a quality football team like he is right now when he's never asked to play out of position, when he's never asked to do things that he's not capable of doing, when he gets to do his job and that role is clearly defined, Daniel Sorensen is extremely effective. Is Daniel Sorensen overpaid? Potentially. That ain't his fault. And frankly, it's not even Brett Veach's fault. 
People still want to cut Dan Sorensen. Did Veach pay him? Uh, no, I think that it was a John Dorsey contract. But what I'll tell you is that he still has one more year on his deal, and I would not be surprised if instead of cutting him the way that everybody wants to, Give him a new he deal. got an extension. I would it. not be surprised. And if, if for no other reason than there's... I don't really think that the Chiefs have a whole lot of interest in bringing Jordan Lucas back. They, I think that he is a replacement-level player. Armani Watts... I don't know if they want to elevate him into the spot that Daniel Sorensen is because Daniel Sorensen is a reliable tackler. He's a fundamental player. And, yeah, he doesn't really have those explosions of athleticism like Armani Watts does. But I think that Daniel Sorensen is just as instinctive as Armani Watts. And he's he's a veteran player. They fucking love that guy. I, I will say, at one point, I was so fed up with the Chiefs tackling, I was, I was messaging people about moving Daniel Sorensen to middle linebacker because he was the only one that could actually tackle somebody. I was so sick of watching missed tackles. Um, so Daniel Sorensen, looking at his season, he didn't play over 30% of the snaps once through the Houston game. And that's probably the worst stretch for the defense. Actually, definitely the worst stretch for the defense. And then at that at Denver game, now he's been in the 60 to 70% for most of the game. So, I, you know, the defensive improvement kind of coincides with playing Daniel Sorensen more. And I don't think that's all Sorensen necessarily, but just like a change in scheme and Spagnuolo kind of figuring out his personnel and figuring out what works. Uh, and I think they've they've got that down now. Uh, another safety, Juan Thornhill, real quick. He's been a total stud in my opinion. I do think he still has a, a bit of a bugaboo about making tackles um, when he's that last defender. Um, you know, the, the Derrick Henry run comes to mind and a couple other runs like that. I think Jacobs got away from him, but it's just... That tackle is so important when you know when the when the running back breaks through the linebackers and Thornhill is usually that deep safety and it's just kind of one on one and it's the difference between a ten yard gain and a sixty yard gain. So that that tackle is just super important. Uh, and if he can just clean that up, I mean Juan Thornhill is a fantastic player. Like our safeties are might be one of the best corner tandems in the in the NFL. That's probably too strong, but the fart goes strong. Yeah. No, I mean I I love Thornhill. I think the sky's the limit for him. All right, let's switch to the offense. Uh, quarterbacks, um, Patrick Mahomes, very good, very good, yeah. Um, the only interesting talking point, I think, is uh, has he been better in 2018 or 2019 was my only question. Uh, and uh, I don't know. Do you really want to get into that? I don't know. I have I, that in my notes here, but I don't No, the, I think that the only thing... Uh, that has been revealed through the many hours dedicated to the amateur scouting service. Um, I, I tweeted this out a few days ago. What Mahomes has gone through this year with the injuries, um, with having to navigate all the, the adjustments that teams have made against him, um, all the adjustments that he was trying to implement from the offseason... I've seen some people say that it seems like Mahomes is kind of playing against his own tape more than like being the instinctual player that he was last year, um, and that he's kind of overthinking it sometimes that he needs to let his body take over. Um, I I've just been so impressed with what he's done this year, especially when you consider all the injuries and stuff. That like if Mahomes leads this team to a Super Bowl, if they win. The, the you know first championship for this team this franchise in over 50 years I I, I don't even know 
Like he he will clearly be cemented into like Chiefs lore forever for bringing that title. But the way that he's had to go about this season, what he's had to overcome, it's just such. It's it, it, the way that he's done it has been so uncharacteristic of what we saw his first year as a starter. Like this is not 2018 Patrick Mahomes at all, and it's he's still getting it done week after week. And God, he's just been. So much tougher than I think anyone expected. Everyone's thinking this flashy kid coming out of Texas Tech. He's not a winner, whatever. And like they thought that he was kind of all pizzazz and like didn't necessarily like have the heart, have the toughness, have like the football mentality. And I think that he has pushed every single one of those doubters aside the way that he's performed this year. Yeah, it's unbelievable to the point where it's almost like like chill out, Pat. Like like don't don't hold on to the ball for an extra second and take that hit and deliver the throw like. Get rid of it and protect yourself. And like that's this is where honestly this season I I saw some of it I guess last year. This is Brett Favre to me. This is all those legendary Favre like oh he's just dealing with fourteen injuries at one time. You mentioned like it's about time for one of those graphics where they show all the different injuries <sighs> on. I his can't body. believe we didn't get it. I can't uh, believe we didn't I get mean, it. But like the op- little operation body, where it's yeah, like, yeah. oh, here's his uh, nagging knee injury. Like his, his knee fell out of place. It wasn't really nagging. <laughs> nagging, right? <laughs> yeah, no, dislocated. Um, I just, what, what more can you say about? Him? I, I want to say amazing. on Mahomes, the way he seemed to scout himself over that bye week and be open about it and talk about how he was bailing from pockets too much. Which I think he was absolutely right, because I think he fell into some bad habits for a few weeks there, and his pocket presence just got sloppy. And But the way he, you know, discovered it, talked about it, and then improved upon it, I saw Seth talking about it this uh, from this Denver game, and he said he only had charted one play where he had happy feet, mm-hmm. which is one of the things that, that Seth charts, and it was only one play from this Denver game. Where I think, you know, you go back a few weeks, and he was bailing from clean pockets multiple, just... Every single play seemed to be him running backwards and then just lobbing the ball into the field, and it was just like, man, we gotta get away from this. Yeah. Uh, so I, that's just ultra impressive. Real quick on Matt Moore, um, he will always hold a special place in my heart, especially if this 2019 season becomes what we hope it will. Uh, just because of the way he surpassed expectations for me multiple times, with how he first looked when he came out versus Denver, versus how he finished that game. Um, down fourteen nothing to Green, down fourteen nothing to Green Bay. Just thinking that game's completely over, and Matt Moore bringing the team back, even though we fell short. Battle. And then even against Minnesota, you know, I expected, I kind of had the thought, like, man, he looked good against Green Bay. We're going to see a letdown from Matt Moore this week, and he still came out and looked good. Like Matt Moore, just proved me wrong multiple times. Like not, nothing I was saying about Straight Matt Moore, just high things like yeah, just things I had in my head, like fuck, we're Matt Moore. In this game, like I just don't, I'm not ultra confident here, and then Matt Moore just balled out. I don't know if Matt Moore or Chad Henney will be in a Chiefs uniform next year. They might be looking for a new, like, veteran backup for Mahomes, or mm-hmm. they might just decide that, you know, Fitz. Shermer or something is fine. Fitz. That'd be fun. Um, but, you know, they're tall. I like them. I like, I like both of the, the veteran <laughs> quarterbacks. All right, running backs, any thoughts? They're kind of a mess. Any, um, any of them stand out? I'd say this. I I heard uh, this is probably hyperbolic, but uh, the the guy who's the guy that's on the NFL Network morning show that loves the Chiefs, uh, Palmer. It's oh no, no uh, it's a Pete, guy with the hair, Pete Schrager. Schrager. Yep. Schrager said that um, 
Spencer Ware might be the best pass blocking running back in the NFL. And he did lay someone and, out. Is that the I Patriots have, game? I think he just clocked. Someone. I have seen him clobber multiple people since they put him back there. And I don't know if like leading the, the Pat, team in snaps at the running back position the last two games. Yes, yeah, and, and just kind of amazing come, coming off the street. Um, I mean, I don't think that Spencer Ware brings a whole lot of like dynamism to the table as a running back. But I tell you what, he he I think is a security blanket for Pat um, in terms of like I know that there's not going to be a missed assignment uh, based on at least what Spencer Ware is asked to do, and he's not just going to like cut block somebody like Darwin Thompson and maybe it flagged and maybe not. Who knows? Um, each one of these guys has skills. Let me let me ask you this: playoff game. What's what's the say? All of them are healthy. What's the distribution look like? What's the playing time look like? Because I have no fucking clue. I mean, I think in a playoff game where all your running backs are healthy, uh, Darwin Thompson is inactive. Or special teams only, yeah. And I think he's inactive. I okay. Don't, I, don't, I don't think he makes the 45-man roster or whatever gotcha. it is for game day. Um, and I think that Andy has to figure out how he wants to use them because... Damian Williams is more of like a third down back in that he's really great at catching passes out of the backfield. Should be. It seems like kind of a classic third down back, but Spencer Ware is such a good pass blocker that he's probably like the like the auto third down back for yeah. them. And I don't really know like how LaShawn McCoy fits into this. He's certainly the most capable like hand the ball to the running back runner. I, but I just honestly I don't really like any of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that in the off season, the Chiefs are probably going to throw a little money at running back. You think? Unless they draft someone high, which is totally possible. Have you seen the list of free agent running backs? I would I would give an like an astronomical amount of money to have Austin Eakler be the starting running back in Kansas City in 2020. <laughs> I would give an absurd $100 million amount, contract. Absurd amount of money to Austin Eakler. Eckler is, I think it's Eckler, isn't it? I don't care what it is. Yeah. He's awesome. Yeah. I, I had him on a fantasy team, so I watched a lot of Eckler. He is he's, he's very good. So I think good. he's close to 1,000 yards receiving on the year. I just, I mean, if you look at the list of Free agent running backs in 2020, it is loaded. Absolutely loaded. Most Chiefs fans are clamoring for Kareem Hunt to return, but, you know, not going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. I'd, I'd take him back, but I do not think it's going to happen. I, I think they go LaShawn McCoy uh, for most, for mostly. But I think it might be a three-running back rotation the whole way. And it's just literally whoever is running better in that game... Who's got the higher yards per carry in this game? That's what New England's right with them. I mean, when Michelle was hot, they ran with him. When he wasn't, they put theirs are so defined, there. though. I don't, I don't think ours are defined. I mean, I kind of see it with Damian. Those guys can stay receiver. healthy, but also, or, or I mean, not fumble. Long it's not like McCoy. It's not like McCoy can't re- like catch. Like McCoy's right. a great receiver too for running back, or at least he was. Uh, so I don't. The running back position is such a mess. I don't know what to make of it, and I don't yeah. know what we see come playoff time. It's not good. Not good. It's not good. Uh, receivers. I think we'd, we've over-discussed Sammy Watkins a bit in yeah. our history. Any yeah. other receivers jump out to you? To be honest, I think the guy that has surprised me uh, in terms of, like, 
made some plays and then hasn't seemed like he's really been on the field that much is Pringle. Um, like once everybody was healthy, it seemed like Pringle kind of became a non-factor. We had a Byron Pringle game earlier this year. Um, I still don't, I don't, I don't know what to make of McCall Hardman. I think that McCall Hardman needs to be more involved in the offense, Definitely. frankly. Um, I think everybody thinks that, and I think everybody's kind of hoping that we're saving it for the playoffs, which I'm hoping to, and I don't, I don't know. I heard Sween the other day say he's like, I just, like, it feels like Andy's holding something back here, that he's going to have some package that he can unleash, because, like, how do you just, how does he play, you know, 14 snaps? How does he get no more than two targets in, like, the last six games? Like, it doesn't make sense. He gets one target against, as I guess it was New England that he had that long touchdown. Yep. It's like, that's the only time that he was targeted the entire game. Yep. It's so weird. And he's just a big play machine, man. Like He's, he's, he's six touchdowns! Insanely And he's quick. been targeted like 25 times. I mean, he's, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it seems I, like when the other receivers are healthy, he does not play much. I mean, I'm looking at snaps over the last seven weeks here. 9, 11, 18, 14, 14. Yeah, it just uh, doesn't. He had, a, he had a big one in there against the Chargers. I think one of the receivers is banged up. But yeah, he just, just doesn't. Yeah, Tyreek missed the whole game. He got hurt on like the first oh, yeah. draft. So, I don't know. I, I hope we see more of him because he's so fucking explosive. And nice. I think he's got a very promising, promising future. Yes. Um, anyone cool. else? Terry Kills, fantastic. I don't. Yeah, he's very good. I don't know if there's much to be said. Any of the receivers? Nobody really. Demarcus Robinson, tall, tall, probably gone after this year. Yeah. Um, he always just, he always like, had that one quarter, like weird and wiry. Did you like the the sideway the sidewaysest runningest the sideways runningest player I've ever seen? It I, seems like he gets the ball and wants to just sprint to the opposite side. Like that's his goal. I didn't like it as much as Twitter liked it. I think he got too much credit. <laughs> some of the some of the tweets, some of the weird ones, just just blow up. But <laughs> we should trade Suggs for Peters. People taking that seriously for the next three days. Still, yeah. but Peters can't tackle. Like three days later, like well, we also can't trade at this point in the season. Like it's. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for your input. Put Marcus Peters can't tackle. And the trade deadline was six weeks ago, dumbass. It's like, I have this following, uh, and they tend to understand that I'm sarcastic a lot. But once a, t- a tweet gets a lot of likes and it goes to like the mainstream, people are very confused. <laughs> That's like uh, Shea Serrano always jokes about how, like, I'll gain a bunch of new followers, and they haven't seen me talk shit on Donald Trump for a few weeks, <laughs> and then I'll say something about Donald Trump. He does go like, hard. And then people will be like, whoa, man, like, <laughs> you don't want to offend people? And he's like, you must be new here. <laughs> Fuck Donald Trump and everyone that stands with him. Well, um, I, and I said something when Mahomes was coming back from injury. I was like, because he, he was I and Matt Moore taking that job, and it kind of blew up a lot, and people taking it very seriously. <laughs> like, you a fucking idiot? <laughs> Okay, offensive line. Any thoughts whatsoever? The doctor's been bad. Shorts has been great. The interior seems to think that the interior is bad. It's It's just just bad. I think Um, Wisniewski might be the best interior lineman. Um, He's he's got the highest fart. He's got the loudest fart. The loudest and highest fart. Yeah, and but he's not playing, and maybe maybe he does. Hopefully, we might be seeing him playing this week, and maybe he looks better, and we see a change there. A little Wally Pip situation. I'm not totally Wally sure. I do think that, I mean, at least according to all of the metrics that Ass has put together, what I found 
was that Cam Irving is still the offensive guard of choice because he goes out of his way to protect Patrick Mahomes. As you saw, that is the one is still the like, one glowing S. That's we, the only reason he's still on the roster. We love Cam Irving's uh, just his inclination to protect the most valuable asset in all of sports. Do you think in all these pictures, like all these Instagram, like Mahomes and Kelsey and Tyreek, they're all kind of hanging out together? Cam Irving's always just like he's playing the security guard, like off the to the he's side the of the picture. He's just he's the standing against the wall, like he's, yeah. he's there. Like that's Cam Irving. He doesn't he doesn't let Mahomes go anywhere on his own. Right. That's great. That's good. I love that's good. I'll pay him for that. Um, I'll keep him around. I think that's a two million dollar job right there. Honestly, the thing that was really disappointing was when when Rankin when got he played. Hurt. Uh, well, yeah, when he, when, he, when he played left tackle, when he that, played was, football. that was pretty disappointing. Uh, when when Rankin went down, that was really disappointing because it's a young guy that seemed like you know he had a bright future. And I mean, he'll probably he'll at the very least be competing for a starting job next year. But would have been nice to see him play out this season and, yeah. and try to grow. I feel like Andy just doesn't really value the interior offensive line. He thinks he can just pull. I mean, he's done this throughout Guys his career. I think round, paying right. Larry was was a weird move, and I didn't like it at the time. And it looks even worse now. But um, he's never. He's always just been a constant rotation at that, especially one of the guard spots. It's always just some random guy. Honestly, right now, I don't know that any of the three starters on the offensive line in the interior are going to be starting next year. You can save a tremendous amount of money by moving on from both Ryder and the doctor. Uh, and Andrew Wiley is in from the last Ryder? year. Yeah. Ryder's not making money. Well, I say tremendous. Like It's mostly moving on from Larry, but you actually save money. Ryder is only on like a two- or three-year contract. Oh, Two-year, $4.5 million. I forgot we uh, gave him an extension. Kind and, of they, and they save money, I think, by... By cutting him this offseason, like two million of that, and I, so, I think he hasn't been great, but you know the fart yeah. has blind spots too, and center is one of those. Right, Interior right. offensive line okay. escapes the fart. Okay. Um, no other thoughts. I think we're about done here, ready to get out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any closing thoughts? This is your territory, actually. My my work here is done uh, with I this would, segment. Thank you for taking the fart and ass seriously. Potentially the tallest guy on the roster. <laughs> <laughs> is Travis Kelsey. Uh, I just, it was so great to see him have that game against Denver where he became the focal point of the offense. And even though Tyreek got the two touchdowns, Travis Kelsey just unguardable, um, a threat from start to finish, just like a, a vacuum for targets and receptions. Um, I, I really like the player that Travis Kelsey has become. Um, and I just, I, I, I hope that he continues to play in Kansas City for, you know, the next three, four, five years. I'd, I'd really like to see him finish his career here. His numbers this year are very consistent. I'm looking at him right now. He has seven different games with exactly seven catches this year. And it's just 60 to 90 yards pretty much every game. He's automatic. His only low game is 44 Against the Broncos, who we then came back and had 11 and 142 against them. Yep. But just the consistency he's put up this year, it's just, you know, put him down for 70 and 7 and 75 every single week. Um, and him breaking that record, the seven year tight end stats record, with a full, uh, with a goose egg in that first year is, is super impressive. Oh, the specialist, the, the Harrison Butker stat that I saw today, the most points scored in the first three years of, an, of a career. Did you see this? Mm-mm. I just saw it today. 
Uh, yeah, most points scored for any player in the first three years of a career. And he started week four his rookie year, so he missed the first three games there, and then hasn't played the last two games of this season. So he has set that record with five games that haven't contributed yet. Uh, so, yeah, most points scored in the first three years of a career, Harrison Butker. He's been a weapon, and that's also kind of a, a knock on our red zone offense, both in 2017 and 2019. <laughs> a lot of extra points in 2018, a lot of field goals in 2017 and 2019. Well, 2017, didn't he kicked like 40 Yeah, it was insane. I think he led the league, strength. and he didn't have those first three games. Yeah, that's, uh, that's well. But you know what, man? Scott Kazmer... Um, you, you follow him, right? Yeah. I don't know if, if he like works for one of those services. I think he's a football outsiders guy, I think. There you go. Well, the thing that's strange, Scott Casper was talking about how like he doesn't think that any kickers outside of Tucker in the NFL are all that good. And he seems like he's like a pseudo-Chiefs fan. And I think he's anti-Patriots, so I, he probably leans Chiefs. I, I saw someone say, like, dude, Butker's fantastic. Like, that guy's mostly automatic, and he's like, I'm terrified of Harrison Butker at the end of the football game. Really? And I'm just like, are you? Really? I think Butker's great. He was nails in New England. Yeah. Um, I, I think he's great. Yeah. I am I am fully confident. If Butker lines up for a game winner, fully confident in what he can do. 38 field goals in 2017. Good grief. 38. All right, folks, this has been Amateur Hour. I'm Ryan Scott Hall. He is his darkness. This is Chance the Rapper and Jeremiah won their Christmas album from 2017. The song's called Down With That. Because I'm down with that. I'm down with it. Have you listened to the new Chance album? Uh, Yeah, a couple times. I don't think I ever listened to it. I see Carrington shit on it nonstop. Carrington does not like Chance the Rapper. He doesn't. He's not a Chance likes, fan. Carrington likes Drake, so everything should be with a grain of salt right. here. Um, there's no way he's hung around to the end of the podcast, so we can air our grievances towards Carrington. I think that Carrington... I, haven't listened, I don't think I've listened to it, so I don't... It's Carrington weird how... super strong musical takes, and yeah. like, yeah. he's the type of guy that will be like, here are the top 50 Jay-Z songs in order, and it's like, I don't care... <laughs> like I don't I just don't I've never been that oh. into music I don't think I mean I, yeah. I like music a lot but yeah. um, when it comes to Chance I I love and respect Chance the Rapper the person more than Chance the Rapper the musician and I feel like Carrington has like like tunnel vision on Jay-Z like it's if you don't do it the way that Jay-Z did it, then you didn't do it right. And the reason, like, I don't know. Like screwing over Kaepernick. I mean, essentially, right. Essentially, the argument that Carrington made about Chance was like, he canceled his tour because no one likes this album. And I'm like, yeah. Well, well I saw him diss on it before that, so you're saying it was super bad. Uh, well, I mean, Chance did a really long interview on that show in Philadelphia or New York. That's like the famous morning show. It has Charlemagne on it and whatever. Yeah. I think it's a Philly Hot 97 Real quick You seen Marriage Story Or Irishman uh, I haven't finished Irishman I broke it into Four episodes You watched the, the First two episodes Of the uh, miniseries I have the two episodes Of the four done Can I just say That um, I hate That the conversation Around that movie Just all it revolves around Is how long the movie is Like Let's talk about The actual movie The movie's um, fantastic it's, it's such an elementary take To just comment On the length of it Even though right. I know We just did that But it's just like The first thing you see Like the Irishman runtime, three hours, thirty minutes, or whatever it is, and it's just like we get it. It's long, 
I'm, we don't we don't need to go back and forth with think pieces about how the length of a movie. He wanted to make it that long. Bill Simmons will find any movie in the world and say it was 20 minutes too long. Yeah, like he does. And, he does. and he always complains about that, and I'm kind of usually on the opposite end of that. Um, haven't finished The Irishman, watched Marriage Story. Um, that is not a movie that's going to be for everybody. Uh, as a child, that is, you know. From divorced parents, like it resonated with me a lot because it focuses on the kid and his relationship with his parents and how it has changed through the divorce. Um, I mean, I thought it was great. I love them both. Uh, I think it's been a strong year for movies. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I thought it was really fantastic. Yeah. I have a uh, long really list of year. stuff that I want to see in the theaters over the next. Really good year for movies and crazy that it's just like happening on Netflix. Like we might get a Best Picture winner that was released on Netflix. I know Irishman went to theaters for like a month or something, right? For Netflix, just come out with the best picture. I still really want to see like Richard Jewell and uh, Queen and Slim looks fantastic. I didn't see Ford versus Ferrari yet. I want to see that. Star Wars, obviously, like that. There's a long list of stuff that I want to and see. And then a new Chris and Nolan then, trailer that came out today, and it looks completely uh, wild. Uncut Gems looks great. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, there's movies that I keep forgetting. I don't about. understand like, how Kevin Garnett's involved. He's in the movie. Yeah, I think he did. That's fair. Oh shit, we're still recording. That's fine. All right, see you guys. What do I hit? Stop? Uh, whichever. Play stop? Stop. Hey, I really enjoyed that. Congratulations, honey. You were great.